From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Tuesday, October 3. The Cabinet of newly minted Victorian Premier Jacinta Allen was sworn in yesterday, with Danny Pearson taking over her transport infrastructure portfolio. Tim Pallas retained his role as Treasurer, despite being dumped as Allen's potential deputy in an 11th-hour deal with Victorian Labor's right faction to install challenger Ben Carroll. $100 billion. That's how much the value of the nation's annual gas and minerals exports will plunge by if supply is decreased faster than demand. And according to forecasts released by the government, it'll happen in just two years. Resources Minister Madeleine King warned the future gas plan could also lead to shortages, supply disruptions and high prices. The Australian Federal Police is bleeding dozens of officers every month, and the police union says it's because pay is on a downward spiral. In today's episode, why the AFP is fighting for their biggest pay rise in more than 16 years. Serious crime is getting seriously complex. That's why we recruit ahead of the curve. If you were a recruit coming out of the Australian Federal Police College in the 80s or 90s, you'd have walked into one of the most enviable public service salaries in the country. The higher you climbed on the career ladder, the more you made. And generally speaking, the more you made, the longer you stayed. This generous remuneration scheme meant that the Australian Federal Police Force was once the highest paid in the country. Continuing to be one of the most adaptive, effective and advanced police forces in the world. These days, that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, pay has tumbled so far that the AFP is now the lowest paid police force in the nation. That's according to the Australian Federal Police Association, or AFPA. These days, an AFP graduate starts on a salary of around $75,000. That's compared with Australian Border Force graduates who make $105k and Queensland Police grads who come in just shy of that at $100k. So what happened? So over the last decade or so, the outcomes at a federal public sector level have been quite low compared to state jurisdictions. Ewan Hannan is the Australian's workplace editor. Often with Labor governments in power, in particular in Queensland and Victoria, police officers have done reasonably well out of pay outcomes and bargaining agreements, less so at a national level when it comes to the previous coalition government in particular, who were in power since 2013, when a lot of these effective decreases started to occur. Being a cop is a tough gig, and the spiralling financial incentive means dozens of Australian federal police officers are quitting the force every single month. That means the workforce of just under 3,500 could lose hundreds of officers over the course of a year. I think it's a combination of areas where they're going. They're either going to border force or they're going to state jurisdictions or some of them may well be leaving the force altogether. The exodus is a big problem for the AFP, which is responsible for stopping some of the most serious crimes committed on our shores. Things like drug and people smuggling, sexual exploitation and cybercrime. It also functions as local law enforcement for the ACT, handling day-to-day stuff like parking fines and speeding tickets. The AFP and international law enforcement agencies crack down on Australian outlaw biker gangs. Law enforcement agencies in more than 30 countries pulled off one of the most audacious things in living memory. 3.7 tonnes of drugs seized, 104 firearms, $45 million in cash and assets were seized, 
and 21 threats to kill were stopped. And today Australia is a safer country because of this unprecedented AFP-led operation. The union claims there's been a decline in morale due to pressures on policing and due to the poor pay. So that's something they say that the Labor government has an opportunity to address. And if they don't address it, it's going to get into a situation where the AFP can't really meet its duties in relation to local policing, but also some of the roles it has in international peacekeeping, organised crime and other areas where it works with international jurisdictions. The police union has been negotiating to restore the remuneration schemes that once made the AFP one of the nation's most attractive employers. It's been offered an increase of 11.2% over three years by the government as part of public service-wide bargaining. That's in line with what's been offered to all federal bureaucrats. But AFPA President Alex Caruana says it's not enough, and he'll be asking for a significant bump when negotiations get underway today. There's a combination of factors driving the union's pay increase for federal police officers. At the one level, like a lot of other unions and workers across the country, they're arguing there is a need to address cost of living pressures. In the case of the AFP in particular, they say if you're a young person and you're thinking about being a police officer and pay is a motivator, which they say it generally is, the AFP would be your last choice in terms of pay at the moment. So Queensland, for example, offers significant allowances to attract officers to come to that state. So as well as a base salary, our police officers get a range of allowances on top of that base pay. So obviously, like teachers and like nurses, police officers are in demand and state jurisdictions in particular are suffering shortages. So they're trying to find different ways to attract police officers and the union says the AFP is losing out because of that. Coming up, the unique reason the AFP has to follow the lead of its public sector peers if it wants a pay rise. My name is Manny Karoudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. I think it's really important for everybody to understand the amount of pressure that was on the investigation team to get this done. We had a significant amount of external pressure from the media. We had Miss Higgins that was wanting this to proceed. We had internal pressure that we needed to get this done. That's the voice of Detective Superintendent Scott Moller. He was giving evidence at an inquiry into the ACT's criminal justice system earlier this year. The Sofronoff inquiry, as it was known, was probing the handling of Brittany Higgins's alleged rape by former political staffer Bruce Lerriman inside Parliament House. Lerriman has always denied the allegation. The inquiry was instigated by former ACT Director of Public Prosecutions Shane Drumgold. He alleged AFP officers acted improperly and interfered with the investigation. Here he is in the witness box at the inquiry. 
the police involved had displayed a passionate interest in this matter not proceeding, and that's what concerned me. Drumgold wound back his allegations over the course of the inquiry, and board chair Walter Sofrinoff found the police made mistakes, but that no misconduct occurred. But the damage was done. According to Superintendent Moller, officers were under intense pressure to progress the case to prosecution, and many couldn't cope. More than a dozen police assigned to the case went on long-term sick leave to deal with the psychological fallout of the investigation, the sensational cancellation of Larriman's trial, and the subsequent inquiry. Others transferred out of the sex crime unit. Legal counsel acting for the officers told The Australian in August that, quote, careers have been lost and reputation severely damaged, all of which was entirely unnecessary. Granted, not all police investigations are subject to the same level of scrutiny, but it's into this environment that the Australian Federal Police are trying to recruit new officers. It's also trying to keep the ones it has on significantly declining salaries. The Australian Federal Police Association is aiming to remedy it through collective bargaining by pushing for a pay rise over and above the 11.2% that's been offered. But if the negotiations go south, don't expect to see the AFP on strike. The unique thing about the AFP is that generally AFP officers are banned essentially from taking any industrial action that's going to endanger lives or put at risk the operations and safety of people. So they're very limited in the industrial action they can take. And that's another reason why the union says they should be treated as a standalone sort of body and have a separate agreement from the rest of the public sector. In the past, AFP officers, the most they've been able to do is not issue parking notices and speeding notices to people in Canberra and the ACT. So that's quite popular with the public. But in terms of being able to take broad industrial action, they're hamstrung by legislation. And so what they're trying to do is run effectively a moral argument and an industrial argument about the need to stand the labour shortages and to stop the bleeding in terms of recruitment and retention. Skipping out on speeding fines will only get you so far when you're gunning for a significant pay rise. And Ewan says that's why today's negotiations are probably only the first step. Beyond administrative bans that they could put on at a local level in the ACT in Canberra, they can't really take effective industrial action. So the bargaining will continue. The agreement doesn't expire until early next year. So it's likely the bargaining is going to go on for some time. In reality, this is probably the opening shot in a long-running dispute, I'd imagine. Elsewhere in the public service, there are already rumblings of similar industrial action. Employees at the Fair Work Ombudsman have threatened stoppages and 24-hour strikes unless the government commits to a 20% pay rise over three years. Services Australia has taken action too. The Community and Public Sector Union, which is the main union representing about 150,000 workers, has now put a sector-wide bargaining claim on the Albanese Labor government and is saying essentially to the government, while you deliver on your rhetoric from opposition, you have talked about low wages and about increased wages, it's time for you to sort of pay up essentially. The union had little success under the previous coalition government. I think what they're progressively trying to do is increase pressure on the government through targeted industrial action but it may well be the case that we see some strike action coming up in the next few weeks. Ewan Hannan is The Australian's workplace editor. 
Tasmania is on the brink of an early election after dumped Attorney General Elise Archer quit her post and the party. Subscribers can read all our reporting and analysis of the political drama unfolding on the Apple Isle at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.